Welcome to the Good Fiction Podcast. Join us as we continue with Things That Charlie Did, Chapter 11. Charlie drove Maria to work the following morning. Neither seemed scared or concerned about the short trip from San Miguel to Cuidad Norte. The soldiers had made their point. They knew that as well as Charlie and Maria did. No doubt, though, they were most likely watching the rented Ford Escort make its way through the jungle road. Even that wasn't enough to keep the two from enjoying their time together. The cool jungle air was heavy with humidity, but didn't strain the car's engine, and they were able to make the trip without stopping even once. By the time they made it to Cuidad Norte, the sun still hadn't risen. A box full of graded papers and a leather satchel were on the floorboard next to Maria's feet. Charlie took the papers for her. Once inside, the other teachers had begun to arrive and quick introductions were made. The other teachers were very polite, but obviously thinking about what the day would bring. He'd never thought before about the fact that each day for a teacher could go in so many different directions. There must have been such an uncertainty to what a new day would bring. It wasn't just the other teachers, but he sensed it in Maria, too. What a way to work, each day not really knowing what to expect. No telling what unusual experiences she would be confronted with each time she went through those doors. The way she handled those experiences could alter a young life forever. Wow. That's all so much different than his life. Doing as he pleased, people rarely questioned him. It's one of the things that comes with money. He watched Maria prepare for class and started to think about how meaningless his career was compared to hers. He helped large corporations sue each other while she taught young adults how to read and write. There's no comparison. In those few brief moments before the students trickled into class, Charlie felt guilty. All the money and privilege he had in life somehow didn't fit when compared to what Maria had chosen to do. She was obviously very bright and could have picked her career. Her good looks and brains could have taken her a long way. She didn't let it, though. Or did she? Maybe the way he thought about things was all wrong. Maybe she had made it. Could it be that Charlie was the one who didn't really make it? One by one, the students began to file into Maria's room. Surprised by their cheerful nature for so early in the morning, Charlie jumped on the opportunity to get in on their good side from the start striking up small talk with two or three of them as they entered the room the students approached him with caution looking him up and down and not having had any advance notice of him coming they really were more concerned about who the guy in their classroom was than having a conversation with him maria was helping a student that seemed to have a question with her homework that left Charlie to fend for himself. Three girls whispered and giggled at the back of the class. 
It could have been about anything, but Charlie felt sure it was about him. The guilt was gone and the nerves were back. When the room had filled with young adults ready for school, Maria quieted them gently by beginning to take up their homework. Once she started class, you could hear a pin drop. He was amazed at the discipline and the efficiency. If you really think about it, a 17-year-old doesn't have to be quiet in class if they don't want to be. But it was a sign of respect for their teacher that they were demonstrating. Charlie was sitting in a wooden chair next to Maria's desk in the front of the room now. The legs were wobbly on it and squeaked as he nervously kept repositioning himself in the chair. He felt exposed, embarrassed, sitting there in front of the kids. How did Maria do this every day? Well, I guess you're all wondering who our guest is today, said Maria, as she finished collecting the new pile of papers to grade. His name is Charlie Duncan. He's visiting here from the States, where he is a very successful lawyer. I've asked him to talk to you this morning about, well, education and school. Mr. Duncan, Maria held her hands out, gesturing that the floor was all his. He stood, cleared his throat, and began to speak. Good morning, his voice cracked and went from normal to almost girl sounding, then back to normal again. A few quiet giggles followed, but keeping his cool, he pushed on. He'd argue cases that had millions of dollars on the line, but the thing he was doing right now there in that classroom was something new. Kind of scary, in fact. Recovering quickly from the little blip that started his speech, the next 20 minutes or so were much smoother. He gave a little of his own personal history, but only went back as far as college days. In law school, he had learned that talking in front of people should include something called logos and eros. Logos meant to have a logical order to what you were saying. Eros, on the other hand, meant to have an inspiring part to your talk and was usually at the end of a speech. You learn these things in law school for addressing a jury. That little bit of knowledge came in handy for Charlie that morning as he talked to the students. Ironic, but that was really the point of his talk this morning too. He told them that education was something they must have the purpose of education, he explained, was to teach them how to learn. That's what made them valuable, not only to others, but to themselves as well. The old method of logos and ethos worked. The kids listened closely and were glued to his every word. After a short question and answer period, that was it. The deed had been done, and Charlie felt really good about it. He'd never experienced that kind of satisfaction from arguing in a case to a jury before. Oftentimes, it was obvious when the jury was siding with him while he spoke on behalf of his client. That, before now, had been something Charlie looked forward to, lived for even. Amazingly, he just experienced the same thing except... A far greater cause was being accomplished. In the last case Charlie worked on before taking the time off to write his book, 
The trial lasted almost three months. The Indian Ridge Chemical Company, with headquarters and large manufacturing plant just north of Las Vegas, Nevada, had accidentally released bluforic ammonium into the atmosphere some seven years earlier. The company was being sued by several hundred ex-employees and nearby residents for $358 million for damages caused to their health. The case was in court for almost four years. A year before it was set to go to trial, the company called in Charlie to do the actual case in court. That was his specialty, the guy in the courtroom. There was never really any doubt that the company had released the toxic chemicals. It was, however, by accident. Faulty equipment bought by the company only two years before the release had failed. So whose fault was it? Indian Ridge Chemical paid Charlie $3 million to prove it wasn't their fault. He won. There wasn't cause for celebration on Charlie's part, though, after the trial. He'd loved every minute of hooking the jury and bringing them into his side, but that didn't change some things that were very unpleasant to think about. For instance, the number of birth defects in the area of the chemical release had increased over 100%. The rate of lung cancer was three times higher than any other place in the nation. A check in the amount of $3 million had been deposited into Charlie's savings account, but the money hadn't been touched. Something just didn't seem right about spending that cash. Oh, sure, the people that were suing would now sue the company that sold the faulty equipment and would probably win. It would take another five to seven years, though. In the meantime, the suffering of those families would continue. He was disgusted when the company that made the faulty equipment called him seeking his legal help. They offered him $500,000 just to be available for advice. He turned them down flatly. No doubt about it, Charlie had a gift when it came to speaking in front of people. He looked around the room at the eager young faces. All of them were so curious, eager, and full of life. Had he used his gift correctly? There was a short question and answer period, followed by allowing the class a little free time so he could say goodbye and thank them. He stepped out into the hallway with a couple of students. Maria followed as well. The students were playfully saying, ooh, as if to indicate there was something going on between the two of them. It embarrassed Maria, but she only blushed and smiled and chose not to scold the students that were teasing them. The door to the classroom was quietly closed behind them. Charlie and Maria stood where she could still see most of her room through the thinly shaped rectangular window on the left side of the door. They just absolutely loved you, Charlie. Really? You think that did any good? He asked. Well, it sure didn't hurt. Hey, it's really good for them to see someone successful. Inspiration. You know what I mean? I guess so, said Charlie. So how did it feel talking to a group of kids like that? 
I'll bet it was nothing for you. Are you kidding, he said. I was scared to death. Maria smiled as if she knew that talking to high schoolers was much more difficult than a jury. It was one of those I knew it kind of smiles. She looked into the room through the window, checking to make sure the class was okay. They were all quietly talking to others that were sitting close by, all except for two students. Charlie could see the sudden concern look on Maria's face. What's wrong? he asked. She shook her head and folded her arms across her chest. Charlie was struck with how cute the concern look was on her. It made him grin. Those two, she pointed to the only two students who weren't engaged in any sort of talk. They were both towards the middle of the room. You mean the one you pointed out to me before? Uh, Margarita, Juan's girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, said Charlie. Yes, the boy next to her, too. His name is Michael. You notice anything peculiar about them? They were easy to spot. The class was still humming with conversation, laughs, and ease from the surprise guest speaker that had been sprung on them that morning. Everyone looked to be in a good mood, except those two. They looked sad. I guess Margarita is still having a hard time. Anybody would, though. Isn't that normal? She is sad, and yes, acting normally considering the circumstances, but still, I'm concerned about her, said Maria. And the boy, Michael, a lot like Juan, she said, one of the smartest kids I've ever taught. He certainly has the ability to go a long way in life. In fact, I've talked to him about attending the University of Mexico in the fall. I've even secured some scholarship money for him if he wants to go. He just doesn't want to hear it, though. Turning down an opportunity like that went against Charlie's nature and was hard to understand. Looking through the classroom's door window, Charlie watched the young man doodle on the back of his binder, making spirals and drawing senseless shapes with his elbow on the desk and his chin resting in his hand. He looked to be thinking of things far away from the classroom of Cuidad Norte. Are he and Margarita friends? Well, they talk, said Maria. Yes, I'm sure they are. I see them talking quite a bit. Why do you ask? I don't know, said Charlie, just wondering. Maria glanced at her watch and suddenly looked a little panicked. Oh, shoot. I want to get history in before lunch today. Okay, I'll let you go, he said. He thought about how cute she looked while panicked. Maria started to walk back into the class, but stopped suddenly. Oh, will you take me home after school, please? She said, looking at Charlie. Are you kidding? What time? There was no way Charlie was going to say no to that. And he let her know it by the tone of his voice and comment. She blushed for the second time that morning. Smiling, she walked back into the classroom and Charlie watched through the window as the class immediately snapped to attention. 
all of them, that is, except for Michael and Margarita. They still looked sad. He wondered again how close those two were. Should he have told Maria why he asked if they were friends? He would have told her if she would have asked, but she didn't. There must be some sort of connection between the two. After all, she was wearing that same necklace with the turquoise stone that she had worn the day of the funeral, the same sort of necklace that had fallen from Juan's dead body, the same sort of necklace that the man who had beaten Charlie had on. But so was Michael. Still doodling on his binder, Michael's turquoise stone dangled in front of him. Thank you for listening. Join us next time for more of Things That Charlie Did. I'm Rodney Mathers. Goodbye for now.